It's Sunday morning. I'm still studying, y'all. Excuse me here. All right. Something comes to my mind. I got to look at it right then. We uh, we've been talking about Christmas. Christmas is not just something you talk about at Christ Mass time. It's actually Xmas, is what it is. Uh, when I was a little boy, and they would advertise around Fort Worth. An Xmas sale, those independent Baptists I was raised around, they would all go berserk. What do they mean Xmas? Put Christ back in Christmas. Jesus never was in Christmas. The reason it is Xmas, Xmas, uh, and X in the Greek is a CH, CH, Mass. CH. X stood for Christ, but that was a Roman Catholic symbol. They took the CH and they added the the R to that, C-H-R, and they called that the Labyrinth of Constantine. Constantine was ruler of the world. He was absolute ruler of the empire when when uh, when R- Rome was ruling. He actually overthrew the uh, king of, I'll get to it here in a minute. He overthrew the, uh, well, let me go back here. When the Roman Empire was ruling, this salmon-colored area is all that Rome was ruling. They weren't ruling up here. They were an empire. An empire is one that rules the, the, uh, the civilized world. Well, they weren't ruling up here, and up in here was where you had the Goths and the Visigoths. They were trying to attack and take over the world, and you can see Ostrogoths, Visigoths, all the Germanic tribes, the Goths, the Huns, the Vandals, the Franks, the Celts, the Gauls. They were trying to attack Rome and overthrow Rome. So he was afraid they were going to be able to do that. So he said, we will amalgamate the gods of all the Huns, the, the, the Goths, the Visigoths, and bring them into this corrupted church at Rome, and we will rehash it all. And what they were doing at Rome church, they had a feast of Saturn. Saturn. And Saturn was the father of the gods. So they had the feast of Saturn at the winter solstice. Winter solstice. And that is December the 21st. S-O-L-S-T-I-C-E. Winter solstice was the December 21st, the longest nights of the year. And the sun would wane and it would become dimmer as they got to that. So they had a seven-day festival called the Feast of Saturn. And it was a, it was the Feast of Saturn was an orgy in the streets everywhere. And they would just have all kinds of debaucherous actions, lascivious ways. And they took that, Constantine took that 
Saturn, Feast of Saturn, amalgamated it with all these pagans and renamed the Feast of Saturn Christ's Mass. Jesus doesn't want his name on Christ's Mass. That is a fairy, fairy tale. That is uh, a myth. And the Bible warns us about myths. Where they got this X mass, Constantine come up with that. When he was going to conquer, he was head of the Roman Empire over here in in the Eastern Empire. And over here, Maxentius, Maxentius, M-A-X-E-N-T-I-U-S, was the emperor over here at Rome. So when Constantine brought his armies over here, and he comes in, there's a bridge that goes into Rome. And that bridge, that's where supposedly it was called the Malvian Bridge. Malvian Bridge, and that's where supposedly Constantine prayed to the Christian God, which he didn't, he didn't believe, and he supposedly saw a cross in the sky. He didn't see a cross. Lactatius, L-A-C-T-A-N-T-I-U-S. Lactatius said he saw this X in the sky. Probably two clouds come together. And he put the Greek R with it. This is Constantine's invention. And he put the Greek R, and that stood for Christ Mass. That's why we see X Mass, and we used to see it. That's a Roman Catholic way of writing Christmas. X Mass or CR Mass. And Lactanius was Constantine's son's tutor, one of the smartest men in the world. And when you are ruling all the empire, you can hire anybody you want to, and that's what he did. He hired Lactanius to teach his son. So, all this... All this is myth. I'm going to read some to you about myth over here. Let's look at, see what the Bible says about what we're to do about myths. Christmas is a myth or a fairy tale, and it started at Babylon. Babylon. And the Bible says, I'm going to keep putting this on the board. Revelation 17 and 5 says, Babylon mothered all idolatry. And idolatry, actually it's the word harlotry. Harlotry means idolatry. The word is pornea. So all idolatry in the world comes out of this right here. All idolatry. The idolatry of the Goths, the Visigoths, and the idolatry of the tree worship, the idolatry of the Feast of Saturn, all of this, every bit of it was the same. It comes out of Babylon. And Babylon was built and founded on let us make us a name. Anything, the word name means authority. It's the word Shem. Shem in the Hebrew, Onom in the Greek, 
When you find name in the Greek, onoma, it means authority. So when you make up your own authority, you get involved in your imagination, and your imagination produces nothing but myth, fables, fables, imagination, fairy tales. Christmas is a fairy tale. And what does involving yourself in fairy tales do to your mind? And we're going to get into that. What happens to your mind when you get involved in fairy tales? I want us to look at a couple of verses. Look here in 1 Timothy 1 and 4. 1 Timothy. We're going to read some of these verses. And I put so much more on the board than this, but we're going to get on with some other things. I'm going to give you a couple of the fairy tales. Demons is one fairy tale, demon. There's no such thing as demons. This is all... It's all... If you're involved in something that's not the exact truth, you're involved in... in Sanity. If you're involved in Christmas, the part that you accept, if you're involved in accepting anything that's not exact truth, you're involved in your life in some kind of insanity. And the, we'll show you that. Look over here in 1 Timothy 1. 1 Timothy 1. And verse 4. 1 Timothy 1 and verse 4. Neither give heed to fables, muthos. Muthos. The word means myths. It means imaginations. Don't give any heed to fables and endless genealogies. Nothing wrong with finding out who somebody's ancestor was just for the interesting point. But don't judge people according to what their father was. When you find the word Ben or Bar, that means son of, son of. If you see somebody that his name is John, son it means the son of John. Oh, William, son, it means the son of William. Now, they used this back in the ancient world. They would say bar baker. That means the son of the baker. And if you were following the tradition of the day, you would take up your father's uh, vocation and you would become a baker and that's how they would identify you that's not necessarily how we do which minister questions rather than godly edifying fables do not edify God's people edify oiko o-i-k-o-d-o-m-e-o oikodomeo is a construction, this is the word edify, and it comes from oikos and domain. 
Oikos is house or family. And Dome looks like dome, and that's what it is. It's the Greek word roof. They say when the roof of the house was finished, they had flat roofs on the house, they said the house was done. What does the Bible say that builds up the house of God? And Christ is the son of his own house, whose house are we there in Hebrews 3 and 4. What is, if we're the house of God, what is it that builds us up? It's not fables. Charity. Christmas won't build you up. Charity. Huh? Charity. What? Charity. Charity. Charity edifies 1 Corinthians 8 and 1. Charity is what word? Agape. And agape is a relationship that kings had for their subjects, fathers had for their families. Second John 6, this is agape that we walk after his commandments. So that is agape, and that is what builds up us as the house of God. Nothing else. Fables are nothing but a waste of of time they will lead you astray let me let's go over here to chapter 4 and verse 7 of the same book chapter 4 verse 7 but refuse profane and old wives fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness eusebia something that is like God. What he is saying, there's nothing in the likeness of God. Nothing is godlike in fables. Christmas, I don't care, Christmas party, you get together with people and do anything except the exact truth, what you're doing, you're not exercising godliness. Let's look at a couple more of these. Look at 2 Timothy 4 and verse 4. This is the word myth. Second Timothy 4 and verse 4. 4 and verse 4. Let's read a little bit of this. This is a favorite section. Look here in verse 2. Preach the word. Be instant. Be instant in season. Instant episteme. E-P-H-I-S-T-E-M-I. E-P-H-I-S-T-E-M-I. Superimpose, standing upright. Histobay means to stand. Be instant, in season. In season means when it's convenient. When there's a time to say the truth, it's convenient to do it, go ahead and do it. But he goes on to say, Instant in season and out of season, out of when it's not convenient, when you don't think you're supposed to be talking. I, well, this is not the time to say the truth. Anywhere is the time to say the truth. I'm not saying to be cutting and abrasive, but say it. I was in the bank. The bank president told me a while back, I was giving a guy a DVD. You can't do that here. And she put her hand on the DVD. And then it, she said, you can't do that here. You cannot give to 
any of the people in the bank. You can't give to, uh, you can't give any of your stuff you do. And I just, uh, I looked at her. And when she got through saying that, I went ahead and handed this bank off. So we'll go ahead and listen to that anyway. Well, he was t- asking me about it, and I just went ahead and told him about it, but I just went ahead and handed it to me. I was in there the other day, and uh, she's afraid of me. I can tell that. Because <laughs> I will say anything anytime to anybody. What she said to me is of no consequence. I won't try to offend her. I'll be as gentle as I can. And uh, I was in there the other day. I had to go up to her, and Dee had asked me to get a statement on the... Uh, on the uh, mission account up there. So I went in and I asked, I need a statement on the mission account. You sit around over there and I'll get to you in a minute. And then after a bit, after she got through with her current customer, she called me over. She said, did you have a good Christmas? She shouldn't ask me that. <laughs> I thought, I don't believe in Christmas. Christmas is pagan. It was against the law to celebrate Christmas 300 years ago in America. She said, I guess I'm going to get a lesson. And I'm, I said, yeah, you sure are. And I just left it at that. I said a couple other things to her. And I just, just, I'm going to say something about the truth, whoever it offends. But I'll be gentle and kind and tenderhearted about it. And I just told her, I said, it was against the law in America to celebrate. And I meant to say to her, I want to ask her one day. I was going to give her a DVD but she got the statement together and she came walking by me and didn't even stop. I had a DVD in my hand I was going to hand to her and say, watch this, you'll see what I'm about. Oh, one other thing she said. I said, I'm on TV all over America. She said, she said something that tickled me to this. She said, I know who you are. <laughs> she didn't say, I know your name. She said, I know who you are. Like, you got some kind of reputation. And they, everybody knows me at the bank. Next I've been there 40 years banking there. Next time you go in there, I'm going with you. Your mayor's going to go with me next time. <laughs> okay. But I will say something. I want to say, do you, uh, I want to say, do you check out if somebody's going to borrow money from the bank, their uh, debt to income ratio, uh, if they can afford this, and she'll probably say, well, yes, that's what we do. I'll say, well, that's their business. My business and vocation is teaching Greek and Hebrew. Maybe you want to find out what I'm really about since I've got all my money and our ministry money in your bank. Here, what's that? That's what I'm about. I'm not going to try to offend her. I just believe you need to take a stand for what you do. And this is my job. It, my job is called by God. I was hired by the Lord to go out and to go into all the world and teach all nations. And that's what I'm going to do. Now, back to this. Back to where were we? Second Timothy 4 and 4. Did I read that yet? Huh? Okay, Second Timothy 4 and verse 4. All right. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke. Epitomeo means rebuke. Ep- That's not the common word, rebuke. Ep- superimpose. Epitomeo. It comes from time, 
means to place a value upon or honor or to honor and epi means to cover their their life with what honoring them well if you honor your mother you're going to tell her the truth aren't you if you're going to honor if you're going to do the things you should be doing you're going to tell the truth to everybody you run across aren't you I'm not saying to be cutting and abrasive. Just say something gentle and kind and firm. I don't celebrate Christmas. That's the way I said it to that woman. I don't say it's pagan. I meant to say, and for some reason she don't allow them to put up Christmas decorations, and they always have. And they didn't have any up. I should have said, I really appreciate you not putting all that pagan decorations up they put up every year. Should have let her know that. But I look forward to having an enemy so I can somehow sit back and plan my strategy to attack. I like having enemies. I don't think she's an enemy. She just don't know. She don't know. She don't know. All right. Now, let's finish reading this. Rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Did I okay. Instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Sound, ugiano, uncorrupted doctrine, uncorrupted didache. H-U-G-I-A-I-N-O. H-U-G-I-A-I-N-O. Doctrine, didache. Instruction. One, I've heard people say, one man's instruction is another man's garbage. I heard the great philosopher, Philosopher Pat Boone said that one time. <laughs> Graduate of First Rock and Roll University. Uh, he said, one man's doctrine is another man's garbage. You're an idiot, Pat. Go back to your love letters in the sand. We don't need you here. All right. Of course, most of y'all don't know what love letters in the sand is, do you? That was one of his big hits. But for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They won't. That's what the preachers are preaching today. They're tickling their ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned under Christmas. It says fables, but Christmas is a fable. Muthos. Sometimes I just don't know where to stop with this message. I got. I can preach all over the Bible preaching on Christmas. Christmas is Christ's mass. It's eating human flesh. It's the corruption of John 6 where Jesus said, Except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. Eat flesh and drink blood was an old ancient idiom that meant to partake in a slaughter. We are lambs to the slaughter every day. And when you tell people the truth about Christmas or predestination... Only these our baptism is not water, it is blood. You tell them these doctrines and they get mad at you and they want to slaughter you and crucify you. If you are reserving certain parts of your life because you don't want to be crucified, you're a little bit on the insane side. Do you know that? You're a little insane. I'm going to give you something here. I haven't given it to you in a while. I'm going to show you some of the insanity we are in. Here's some insanity. 
December the 25th, when you believe that's the birthday of Jesus, or you think Jesus wants you to use that to celebrate him, you're a little bit on the insane side. If you deal with people like that, that's insane. December the 25th was the birthday at Rome of Mithra. Mithraism was at one time believed that it would take over the world instead of Christianity back in the 2nd and 3rd century. It was the most competitive sun worship that there was against Christianity. And all the Caesars were slaughtering until Constantine were slaughtering the Christians. And that's why Constantine could not control the Christians. And he said, what we're going to have to do is we've got to make peace between the Christians. Every time we slaughter them by the thousands, they keep multiplying. With them and all of these Goths and Hunts, he had two problems. All of these pagans up here that were not under his rule, they were attacking Rome, and the Christians lived in the Roman Empire, and they were multiplying, and they were putting them to death and making them martyrs in the Agon which was the arena where they would feed them to the lions and, and the wild animals and, and turn them loose uh, to these slaughtering men, the, the, uh, the swordsmen of Rome. Gladiators. Huh? Gladiators. What? Gladiators. Gladiators, yeah. I just went blank there. All right. Now, the time will come when they'll not endure sight, but they'll turn away their ears from truth and shall be turned to these fables. Let, let me show you something here. The, where did this come from? I'm going to put it on the board again because I can't, I haven't finished saying what I want to say on this. Where December the 25th comes from? It comes from the Big Dipper. Let me turn over here to it. And the Big Dipper is the same thing and what I'm going to do is give you a verification that I haven't given you in a long time. It's the same thing as the swastika. Where did all that come from? It come from it come from the Far East. Hitler wanted a I've got a book called The Twisted Cross. It tells you all about Hitler's Hitler's association with the occult. His head of his SS. SS was the death squad of the Nazis. And the head of his death squad was Himmler. Himmler was an occultist. In the book, The Twisted Cross. Twisted Cross. It is a book all about Hitler's association with sun and tree worship. And the man that got him involved was Himmler. And he sent Himmler to Tibet. Tibet is over here just in the China area. I believe it's just above China. And that is Tibet. And the, the Tibetan Buddhist worshippers were called Suvastis. And Suvasti means it is good. When we say amen, we mean let it be, or that is what is good from God. So swastika has the basic same meaning as amen. 
whether you like it or not. But there's a reason that the swastika was good. It wasn't in the ancient world looked upon as such a bad thing as Hitler made it out to be, but it was had to do with the worship of sun worshipers and tree worshipers. It had to do with the Big Dipper. In the ancient world, I'm going to show you something, verify some things. You had, they would check, they would check the, this is imaginary line here. They would check the Big Dipper. The reason I put the curve here is because the star was here, and one's here, one's here. You had seven stars in the Big Dipper. Well, I'm not doing that very good. And what they wanted, this is the swastika, it's the Big Dipper in its four phases. The pagans would check the Big Dipper, and here's why it was good. They would check the Big Dipper every three months, for instance, June 3rd. Then they would check it September the 3rd, and they would check it at midnight, September 3rd, midnight, to see where it was. So in June, this is a time of crops growing, and all the crops are being harvested. And that was God's promise to Israel in Deuteronomy 28 and Leviticus 25. In Exodus 15, he said, If you're obedient to me, I will fill up your basket and your storehouses. And you will end up with, you'll end up with plenty of food. And they were afraid, just like the pagans were, that when they got to September, they knew they were going into winter. In the ancient world, they didn't have supermarkets they could freeze food if they lived in the northern reaches up in Scandinavia they could put it out in the snow or ice house or something like that but they couldn't do that where the food would rot and they were afraid they couldn't have the food they wanted or they needed and so they said they had to get this this was the clock of harvest. And then they'd have a, this would be winter, so you're going in, this would be fall. The new sure as fall came, winter is here. Boy, when they were in the regions of Scandinavia, Norway, Sweden, Denmark, and Finland, it was cold up there. It was sub-zero weather. And they said that whenever that in the sub-zero weather, they considered the holly, they considered the fir trees magical trees. Fir trees don't die in the cold, do they? No. They live. They consider magical trees. And they were also trees that didn't rot. In the 40th chapter of Isaiah, the Bible says, Israel chose a tree that would not rot. 
That's a pine tree. And since they could grow through all of that super cold weather and sub-zero weather, they said they would hang those around their, their temples, pagan temples. They would gather around what they called a wassailing bowl. A wassailing bowl was a bowl around a great big table. It had an elixir in it. They'd all come around, dip into it, and drink a drunken elixir. And they would sing this wassailing bowl song. Deck the halls with boughs of holly. Fa la 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 la. That was a wassailing bowl song. It didn't have nothing to do with Jesus. Not one thing. In the movie Ivanhoe, I saw Ivanhoe back years ago. Had that uh, famous actor Robert uh, out of the 30s and 40s, real handsome guy. He ended up getting old and smoking a lot of cigarettes and face turned gray and he looked terrible when he got old. That's what happens to those movie stars. But anyway, they were all gathered around, and they had the Saxons. And the Saxons was a part of those, those pagans that we showed you that were going to attack Rome. And they were from the north. And they had the, the, the Normans, and they were from the north, and they were enemies. If you ever saw the old Robin Hood movies, Robin Hood was a Saxon, and the king was Norman and they were all pagan worshippers. Anyway. So they wanted to get back to spring. Back to spring and this swastika or the Big Dipper in its four phases you had on here one two three Four, five, six, seven, eight festivals, and they were all sun and tree festivals in that swastika or that Big Dipper. That's the way they looked at it. But if we see it from the earth that way, but if you go out there to this star here, it may be 18,000 light years from this star right here. It's just that we see it as a plane. If you move out in space, they're not sitting next to each other. They're just so far apart. But they, the way we see them is like this. The reason I brought this out, they said something had to be turning that wheel. And they said what was turning the wheel, the pagans said it was the queen of heaven. Now, in Roman Catholicism, all good Catholics know that the Mary of Roman Catholicism is called Queen of Heaven. In fact, you've got a picture of her in my, uh, my book, Inside Catholicism. This is a Catholic book. I've showed it to you before, but I'm going to show it to you again. It's got her ascending into heaven without dying. Because they said she had no sin, therefore she didn't have to die. And they call that the Assumption 
of Mary are to be assumed in heaven without dying. And it says queen of heaven. Mary, queen of heaven. 600 years before she was born in Jeremiah 44 and Jeremiah 7, God condemns Israel for worshiping the queen of heaven and offering offerings up to her. What the Roman Catholics did, they brought the Queen of Heaven into, into the Roman Catholic Church. Now, let me show you something. This was an advertisement that somebody gave me years ago. It's about buying coats and buying this coat for $279, Donna Gale sweater coat and bronze and copper fusion it's got wheel of the year right here i didn't invent that some people want to accuse me of inventing it wheel of the year but listen to what it says about the wheel of the year you can buy that and put that on your wall as a decoration listen to what it says the celts starts off with that the celts did not measure the passing of time with a calendar their sense of the year was circular, marked at the quarters and cross quarters. Here's a quarter, quarter, quarter. Marked at the quarters and cross quarters by seasonal festivals. This is an advertisement to buy one from some, order it from some company. This beautifully detailed plaque by Maxine Miller depicts the cycles of nature in plant forms, plant forms arrayed around spokes denoting the festivals. There are eight spokes in that, eight spokes. One, two, three, four, five, Six, seven, eight. When you look at the Eucharist on the Roman Catholic Eucharist, guess how many spokes there are? There's eight. So when they got crops in the spring, then the clock had moved where it's supposed to, and that was good luck. You see that? They get the crops in the spring. That's why Suvasti means good luck. It was even used in early America as a good luck symbol. Even the, a lot of the Christians, probably a little bit apostate, used these in the first century to put around their windows, probably Roman Catholic Christians, as soon as they became Roman Catholic, put it around their windows to keep the demons out. Put swastikas. You got them on bridges. You got them on monoliths, you got them all, all kinds of uh, writings in the ancient world. They're everywhere. Let me read the rest of this. So arrayed around the spokes, dancing, denoting the festivals, wood-finished resin plaque has eight hangers on the back so you can turn it as the year turns. It's ten and a half inches in diameter. If you want to buy one, you can get that and be superstitious. But let me show you something. What's the price on it? Huh? 
price. Price is $58. Are you kidding? That's funny, isn't it? Now, let me show you something else. They're involved in imagination. Here's a witch's book. I don't just get my Christmas stuff out of out of Alexander Hislop's. I got one of his books up here, sir. Huh? Right below the Catholic book. Right below the Catholic book. Well, I had a new. Oh, yeah, there it is. Right there. I don't just get it out of this. I get it everywhere. I get it out of our society. I get it out of magazines. The Two Babylons is one of the best books you can get on this. But look here. This is a book by witches. Witches do not worship the devil or Satan. Witches worship nature. They'll tell you that. Now, in nature, this is a witch's book. You find up here in front of it, It'll actually give you, I hope I can find it soon here. Here it is. Here's the, here's the swastika. And they've got each one of the festivals named and labeled. And they celebrated them. You had Maybon up here. Maybon. S-A-M-H-A-I-N. Looks like Sam Hain, but it's pronounced Sawin. Sawin. There was a rock group that named themselves Sam Hain, right, Dave? Yeah, you're right. There was a rock group named themselves after this festival. That's what we call Halloween. It was Sawin. When they brought it in the Catholic Church, they called it All Hallows' Eve, and then renamed it Halloween. They're all the same. Then down here is Yule. Yule means wheel. It names all of this wheel after Yule. Yule meaning the entire wheel. Then you've got Beltane. And the pagans celebrated all of these. Beltane. And then Midsummer. Out here is Midsummer. And you had Imbolg. And Ostera. Ostera is the German word. We called it Easter. Easter is one time in the Bible in in Acts, the 12th chapter, you want to look at it with me? Acts, the 12th chapter, it's one time in the Bible, and it's wrong. It's translated wrong. Acts, the 19th chapter, here in, in verse 2. Acts 19. Oh, excuse me, 12, not 19. Acts 12, excuse me. I don't know why I said 19. I was thinking of Paul over at Antioch. All right, 12 and verse 4. When he had apprehended him, talking about Peter, he put him in prison and delivered him to, our, to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. 
That's a bad translation. That's not the word Easter. In the original text, the word is Pascha. Pascha is the word Passover. The Roman Catholics evidently, during the translators, had something to do with it. They stuck that in there. A lot of compromise on the part of the the Protestant translators. So it means Passover. Now, so you've got, this is the way they work it here. This is the way they list it, growing here. Planting in this section, in this quarter, planting. But they did not show theirs as chronologically in a line. They said it was in a form or a figure. It was all happening at once among the pagans. And then you had over here, you had harvesting. And then down here, you had fallow. I think people think I invented this. Let me read to you. She's got in the back of the book a, uh, a section telling you what these things are about. It's got a section talking about wake, virgin, tumulus, yule, Yule, the Sabbath celebrated at the winter solstice. Most of it, tradition, come from the Roman pagan holiday Saturnalia. The witch will tell you that. Then she says here, under will of the year, a conceptualization of the eternal cycle of time. Witches are very smart. They study this thing backwards and forwards. In pagan mythology, the goddess turns the wheel of the year, that was the queen of heaven, bringing everything to its season. The wheel of the year is symbolized by either a wreath. Oh, we get the wreath from that. Next year, if you're still celebrating Christmas, instead of putting a wreath on your door, just put a swastika up there, okay? <laughs> a snake holding its tail in its mouth on eight-spoked heel. Oh, by the way, you remember the war chariots of the pagans? The war chariots were eight spokes or eight-spoked wheels. That was Pete, not the war chariot, excuse me, the peacetime chariots were eight-spoked wheels and the war chariots were you can look this up under wheel or chariot in McClinic and Strong. And the war chariots, I got a lot to say about this. The war chariots were they were actually when you look at them from the top they were Star of David. Now, there's so much you can... This is by E. Dane McCoy. She's a world-famous witch. She goes into all kinds of history about witches and what they worship. And it, it's even got in a section in here about the Battle of the Trees. There were two trees battling each other among the witches. Is, didn't that start in the garden? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. 
See, they've got a twisted form of the truth in this. It is insane what you're following when you're following the Christ Mass. If you want to look at that, come up here and look at it. Now, we've got it in our heads. What we have is insanity going on in our minds. Let me read to you about insane. You remember the guy, the demoniac, he wasn't he didn't have a demon. There's no such thing as demons. Possessed with demons is a term among the pagans, according to McClinic and Strong, and according to a dozen writers I've got in my library. This is a section out of Dictionary of Deities, D-E-I-T-I-S, D-E-I-T-I-E-S. What is a deity? It's a god, a little g-o-d. When you look up demon, D-A-I-M-O-N-I-O-N, it will say a god in your, in your Strong's Concordance. It'll also say it comes from D-A-I-M-O-N, meaning to distribute fortunes. And I've got much to say about that. John said all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's not of the Father, it's of the world. And Eve saw those three things in the tree. The tree is good for food. It was pleasant to the eye. It would make her wise. The lust of the flesh, it was good for food. Lust of the eye. And remember, idolatry means to serve what you see. What you put into your eye. And she could be wise in her own conceits. It's an imagination to make that tree that she saw these things in a God. And they said in the ancient world, the tree was the giver of all divine gifts to men. All the divine gifts are right there. Our mind is on the wrong things when it's on these things. Let me read something to you out of... Out of... Uh, it talks about that. This is out of Dictionary of Deities by Van, Van Toon and Becking Vanderhorst. This is about demons. The term demon is rendered in the cognate Greek words daemon and it's subsidized neuter adjective daemonion. And they go into the definitions meaning to divide or distribute. And then he says talks about demonase. They called all the gods of the pantheon of gods in Rome and in Greece. A pantheon, we have a pantheon out here in the in the park. Centennial park. In Centennial Park. The pantheon of the gods is a place where all the gods abide. And when you went to the pantheon of gods there in Greece or in Rome, what they called the gods, all of them, was Daemonion, D-A-I-M-O-N-I-O-N. When Paul runs into, he runs into these philosophers, these Epicureans and Stoics in the 17th chapter of Acts, 
And he is over here. He is over in in Athens. He's over here. Where all the pagans, all they had all those pagan gods. He was out at Mars Hill. And that was where they said we've built a statue for all the gods but one. That's the unknown God. And Paul that said, that's who I want to talk to you about, the one you don't know. Well, and he tells, and these Epicureans look at Paul as he's preaching to them. And they say, this man, now you've got to look at who's talking and what they're saying. This man, Paul, is talking to us about a strange God. Now the word they used in the Greek, these Epicureans and Stoics are saying, we know all these gods out here that we serve, but he's talking to us about a strange demon. That's what they said. That means they believed their gods were not strange demons. They called all the gods of the pantheons demons. A demon was a god to those people. Paul said in the 10th chapter of 1 Corinthians, these people offer sacrifices to, it says, devils in the text, but the word is daemonion. They're offering, God himself said they're offering sacrifices to demons when they offer sacrifices to Hercules and Venus and, and uh, Jupiter and all these gods. God himself had Paul write down and called them demons. There's no such thing as a demon. The most evil thing in, a, in the world is a man's heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know the heart of man? There's no good man upon the earth. They're all evil outside of Christ. Unless a man is born again, he has no redeeming qualities in him whatsoever. Do I believe that these people will do the things that they do that shoot people. I believe anybody will do anything if God pulls his training hand off of him. I believe that. I believe you will do it. I believe you will do it. And you will do it. And everybody here will do the worst. They'll do their dirty deeds if God just pulls his hand off. Have you ever done your dirty deed? I'm so ashamed of the deeds that I have done in my past. God forgive me. Listen to what he says here. This is what he says. He goes on in here and he says, Both Damonion and Damonizomai, Damonizomai, D-A-I-M-O-N-I-Z-O-M-A-I. That is a form of demonion, which is our word demon, which is what they call their gods. And demonizomai <coughs> means to be possessed with devils or demons. And when you read that from any of these historical writers, this one says... Both originally mean to be under the power of God or a demon, of a God or a demon. 
a God or a demon are the same thing. A little G-O-D, not the God, which condition was often a blessing producing prophetic utterance or heroic behavior. Hercules was called a, a God when he went and performed his his 12 labors of Hercules. That's what Perseus was when he went down into the underworld. If you saw the old Clash of the Titans movie, he leaves Argos. Argos is a Greek word that means lazy. And that was the name of a town. And he goes down into the underworld and slays this devil with the long tail. He goes across the river Styx. There was a rock band called that, wasn't it? Styx. Goes across the river Styx and goes into Hades, which we call hell. And he finds Medusa, and she's got all the snakes in her hair. And that's a convolution of Eve being fooled by the snake. And he goes in there and cuts her head off. That's a great movie to watch because the the guys in Hollywood studied the facts better than any preacher in America. That's the first Clash of the Titans movie. And Perseus was the god that went down into the underworld. And it's just a picture of men thinking that Christ went into hell. And he didn't. But he goes down into the underworld, conquers the Medusa, and anyone who looks Medusa in the eyes, she's got these eyes of fire, they're going to die. They'll be turned to stone. He puts her head in a bag, comes back across the river Six. This is Perseus. He is the god, he was one of the gods of Joppa over here that equates with the gods Hercules, which goes into the underworld and has 12 labors. And conquers. This is what demons do for us. That's just self. It's a, it's an imagination. It's a fairy tale. It's a myth. And Christmas is a part of that myth. Listen to what he says here. Which condition was often blessing, producing prophetic utterance of heroic behavior? Isn't that what Hercules does? That's what Perseus did. He went down in the underworld. But when Perseus come back, he came back on a flying white horse. How's Jesus coming back? On a flying white horse. In the 19th chapter, those guys in Hollywood have done better research than any Baptist preacher I've ever heard. And he's coming back on Pegasus, the flying white horse. And what's so amazing, Andromeda, his wife fiance that he's going to marry she's dipped in water before he comes back and they take her and tie her to a rock over here and we're bound to Christ the rock and he comes back to rescue us from the beast and the beast the kraken comes up out of the water in that movie and he pulls the head of Medusa out out of the bag he doesn't look at her eyes himself and he holds it in front of the beast, and the beast cracks and goes all to pieces and sinks into the sea. And that's a picture of this beast sinking into the sea in the 19th chapter of Revelation. It's amazing, isn't it? 
They got that more right than the preachers. Huh? Now, this is what he says. And the words could mean, talking about demon or demonion, to be insane. In later authors, especially Jewish and Christian, they came to mean to be possessed with a demon. Every time you find possessed with a demon and you go into McClinic and Strong and look up possessed, look at the P volume, possessed with demon, this is what it will say. Under possessed with demon. I'm not going to read all of it. It would take me all day. Hence, to demonize is the common Greek expression meaning to be insane. The man that had the demon, which is the same part of the fire and tree worship. I did a message one time. Demons were born on December the 25th because that is the birthday of the sun gods of the ancient world. And it all goes back to Babylon where they said, let us make us a name. And God says, once you make up your own doctrine, once you make up your own name, and you don't hallow the name of God in your life, when we say hallowed be thy name, we're saying destroy my name, Lord. That's what you're saying. Hallowed, Haggadzo. Haggadzo means to make holy. Hagiazo comes from Hagias, which is the word holy, and it means to be single or pure. It takes fire and trials to burn out our name. We've got to get rid of our opinion, our imagination, our insanity. America's insane. In fact, when you see that man in Mark, when you see that man over here in Mark the 8th chapter, excuse me, Luke the 8th chapter, Luke 8. And in Mark, same man, Mark the 5th chapter, and Matthew the 8th chapter, it's the same man. Over here in Mark and Matthew, he's running through the tombs, screaming and yelling, cutting himself all over. Is that guy crazy? He's nuts. When Jesus said to him, what is your name? He didn't say that. Not what it says in the original text. He said, T-soy. T-soy. Esteen. Onoma. There's the word name. Means authority. What he said, T is an interrogative. That's a question. To interrogate somebody means to question him. Jesus didn't say, what is your name? He said, what fellowship do these, does this authority, what it represents, this word esteem represents. Jesus didn't say, what is your name? He said, what represents this authority that you're fellowshipping with life? And the guy said, Legion. And when he said Legion or Legion, 
A legion of Roman soldiers was 3,000 to 6,000 men, depending on when you were talking. Let's just say 3,000. The guy was saying, I got 3,000 demons in me. Ah! That's what he was saying. Now, when Jesus is talking to a wacko, I want to know where did this man get his authority to say, I've counted the demons in me. I looked at my chest and I said, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Which school did he go to to get his courses in demonology? The guy was nuts. The Bible says he was possessed, possessed with demons. He was insane, and we know that he was insane because when Jesus cast out self into the swine, the man wanted to keep the swine around. He didn't want them to leave him. Because he thought they were his ancestors. We know these weren't Jews. Jews didn't own pigs, did they? It's an unclean animal. Excuse me. A pig is a female boar. This word is boar here. These were boars. And when you put into an animal, all this frustration we have, wanting to get what we want, our money, our, our fortune, we want to distribute the fortunes of the tree and we get out of our mind. That will drive you crazy, won't it? And the Bible says, after Jesus cast this into the swine, people say, what happened then? Jesus cast what was in the man, what was in the man, and this all goes back to Christmas. This is the same system. What was in the man was the desire for self. So overwhelming. There's not any difference in the people out here in Central State, the nut, the nut, the nut band out here. Not a difference in them and people down here in Governor's Point in Hendersonville. They learn how to operate and stay within the parameters of the law, and they got so frustrated you had to put them in a bin out there. There's not any difference in them. If you get to working around these people, you know they're crazy too. They are. Man is crazy. And the Bible says, when that man came to his right mind, when he came to his sophroneo mind, S-O-P-H-R-O-N-E-O, Sane mind. He was possessed with devils at the first. He was insane. God cast that insanity into those pigs. One time when I had a band back years ago, I was about 27. I was down here in Nashville. I was down in Englewood. Living in a house with my mother and father. We would rehearse in their living room. One day we were in there rehearsing, and all the guys in the band knew I was half crazy. I trembled and shook all the time. I took all kinds of Valium. I didn't know what to do. I was just nutty. And I looked over at our old dog, Susie, and Susie was like 17 years old. She'd gone, given to my mother down in Texas, gone to, gone to Colorado with her and took her over to Memphis and brought her over here. And I looked at the guys and I said, if Susie had in her, I didn't know anything about the demons. 
If Susie had in her which I, what I have in me, she would kill herself. If an animal has what we put ourselves, it is completely unnatural. And that man said, leave, leave my demons with me. Because he believed they were his ancestors. In fact, somebody wrote and said, if there's no such thing as demon, what are familiar spirits? Well, I'll show you what they are. Familiar spirit in the Old Testament, the Bible says if you deal with familiar spirits, you have to die. Familiar spirits are not, are not spirits at all. Familiar spirits are man's imagination that he tries to sell somebody. When they translated the word familiar spirit, And when they translated it into the Septuagint. What in the world is the Septuagint? When you see LXX, that stands for Septuagint. There were 70 men that translated the Hebrew Old Testament, Hebrew Old Testament, into Greek. And this was about 200 B.C. And, and when Greek was the international language being spoken all over the world at this time, the man who gave the world all of the Greek, well, as Alexander the Great, he lived from approximately 332 B.C. till he died on his deathbed around 320. He was a very young man. Some believe it was one of his generals, perhaps Seleucus. He was, had four generals, Seleucus, Cassander, Sacamus, and Ptolemy. The Ptolemies took over, when he died, took over Egypt. Seleucus took over Syria and most of his empire. And Seleucus is believed to be the one that killed him. Seleucus. He was, he was before the Antiochian men, but all the Antiochus were Seleucian kings. Antiochus, Antiochus the God, Antiochus the Great, and so forth. Well, when they translated the Hebrew, it was they took seventy men. These are some of the greatest scholars that ever lived, and they knew Greek and Hebrew. They were experts. It is understood that the Septuagint translation of the Hebrew into Greek, since all of the world was speaking, Alexander the Great has given the world its Attic Greek, Attic, and had given it the common street Greek, Koine. The Bible is written in the Koine, the New Testament. The Attic Greek was a proper Greek that only scholars and students would speak. Most people didn't speak it. So when they translated that over into the common Greek language, they translated the word familiar spirit. When you look up the word familiar spirit, does anybody remember what that was? What is the Hebrew word? O-W-B. Familiar spirit doesn't sound like ob. Ob means bottle. That's all it means. 
familiar spirit is the word ob or bottle. A bottle was a goat's stomach. They would cut the stomach out of a goat and they would they would dry it out in the sun till it was stiff, get rid of all the scrape the insides, sew it up, put a strap on it, so you could carry your water, your grape juice, whatever, wherever you wanted to go. The sneaky, underhanded liars learned ventriloquism. Ventriloquism. You know, Jim, mm. if you drank booze, that'd be a perfect translation. Huh? Familiar spirit, would, like Mary said, if you drank booze, that would be a, a good translation. Familiar spirit. There will be spirits in there. What they did, they would take, this was a bottle. You've seen pictures of that. People carried it on their back. Men learned ventriloquism. And they would do what they called peep and mutter. And they would consult people whenever they were going to move or they were going to go to battle. They're going to do anything. They would consult the wizard who was in charge of familiar spirits. And they would beep, mutter, 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 and do some kind of muttering. And they call that talking to the dead ancestors. And they would take money for it. When the Lord said, familiar spirits have to die. When they translated, these translators were extremely intelligent. I've got this in several of my books. When they translated familiar spirit, they translated it E-N-G-A-S-T-R-O-M-U-T-H-O-S. That's how the translators translate familiar spirit. In, within, gastro, stomach, you take Pepto-Bismol for gastro problems, don't you? Gastrointestinal problems, take this. Stomach. Muthos is the word myth. It means a myth in the stomach of the goat. It was not true. It was a con that they put on people said, I'm talking to your ancestors. Listen to me, talk to them. And the, whenever a man, when Israel was going to be attacked, and they were going to be attacked by an army, they would go and consult the wizards that were in charge of the familiar spirits. And I believe I've got that over here. In the 28th chapter of Isaiah. 28th chapter. And this is talking about. No, not the 28th, the 10th chapter of Isaiah. I know it's somewhere there. 10th chapter of Isaiah. And the Assyrian king is coming in to attack Israel. 
and he does it so suddenly they don't have the time to go to a familiar to a wizard to consult the familiar spirits or their ancestors this is why this man wanted to keep his ancestors in the pigs he wanted to talk to them so they could tell him what to do and Jesus said they'll kill themselves people say God wouldn't transgress the laws of nature oh yeah right before that he was in a boat that was being whipped by the wind and he stood up and went shh and it stopped he'd walk on water and defy buoyancy are you kidding he said I'll put in these swine you're not going to talk to your ancestors I'll put in them what's in you it'll be the desire for self they'll kill themselves and the animal can't live with what you got you know an animal can't live with our desire for self and all the nervousness we go through an animal would kill itself they isn't it amazing our animals we got three dogs we go home and they jump all over us they don't sit around worrying while we're gone i wonder if they're coming back i wonder if they'll ever feed me again worse. Huh? <laughs> and it says here in the verse 14 this is what the king of Assyria says my hand hath found a nest the riches of the people as one gathereth eggs that are left this is the way I jumped in and attacked Israel have I gathered all the earth and there was none that moved the winged or opened the mouth or peeped means to chirp like a bird they didn't have time to go to a wizard to get his advice what to do with the Assyrian army. There's nothing you can do. They're coming in to slaughter you because of what you went after, idol gods and these sun and tree gods. Now, let's go back over here to the New Testament. Let me give you one other thing. I just, one day I was looking up on the internet. Just Damon. Transliteration of the Greek Damon lesser god guiding spirit tutelary deity a tutelary deity is one who watches over you <laughs> in life god doesn't need guardian angels he's ordained everything to be done as it's being done and he says see demon and when you read in the mcclinic and strong it will tell you that a demon Possessed with demons to means to be insane. Let me read something to you about insanity. Is America insane? Boy, I guess they are. I was watching John MacArthur last night on the internet. And he preached a pretty good message on God creating evil. But he wouldn't just say the word. He would say God creates calamity. And then he would turn around and say God permits it to happen. God doesn't permit anything to happen. He's declared everything. He's declared the end from the beginning, from ancient times, everything that's not yet done. Whatever happens in your life is God's will. All the evil in the world is God's will. If he didn't want it to happen, it wouldn't happen. How could Jesus be the lamb slain from the foundation of the world if there's not going to be any evil? When God creates Adam and Eve, did he put a glitch in them? Did he make them out of clay that could sin? Why did he make them out of plastic, out of formica? That way we couldn't have any feelings and couldn't sin. He made them out of this flesh. 
and was corrupted flesh where Satan was cast into the earth between the first and second chapters of, of Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created. Barah, that's a righteous word. That's the first verse of Genesis. In the beginning, God created. It's a righteous word. It means to cut and make fat. It doesn't mean make cellulite. The fat of the land to the Jew was the richest crops, the richest cattle, the richest of the wheat. That was the fat of the land. That is not an unrighteous word. That is a righteous word. And then the earth became without form and void. Without form. Without form is the word tohu. It means useless. God said in Isaiah 45, 18, Isaiah 45, 18, I didn't create anything in vain. I created it to be inhabited. The creation in the first verse was to be inhabited and then God cast, God has Jesus. Huh? Isaiah 48. Isaiah 48. What did I say? 45.18, yeah. He said he didn't create anything in vain. Over here in Isaiah 45.18, in vain is the word tohu. God says that's not my creation. What happens in verse 2? Satan is cast in the earth in Revelation 12. And when he's cast in the earth... All you do is to find out where he's cast in the earth is go find the first mention of the nature of Satan in the Bible. What's the first mention of his nature? Genesis 1-2, the earth was without form and void and darkness. That's the nature of Satan. What was created in the first verse, we don't know what was in the original creation. There were six days of making and forming. There were not six days of creation. The Bible doesn't say that. God would form, Yatsar. Yatsar is the same word as potter. He would shape. But the creation is here. Not in second verse. There were six days of making and forming. And Satan was cast to the earth. And Revelation 12 is a panoramic view. Revelation 12. And do you know all this is a form of Christmas? And this sun and tree worship over here. If God didn't want it to happen, it wouldn't have happened. He was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. For who? For what? He was slain before the foundation of the world for the sins of his wife. Husbands, love your wives and Christ loved the church and gave himself. It, the New Testament says it. That's not it. A-U-T-A-T-A is the word. Aute is a form of A-U-T-O. That's the word self. Aute means her. The Ada on the end of a word is feminine. Jesus died for his wife before the foundation of the world. It was in the mind of God. Who was he going to die for? His wife. For what for? For her sins. God's got to make sure there is sin He's got to make sure that Adam and Eve fall, doesn't he? They have to fall. He picks Adam up. He picks a handful of this corrupt dust that where the world is corrupt 
in verse 2, and he forms Adam of the dust of the ground. The word form is the word yatsar. He's a potter. He makes Adam out of corruption. Adam has to sin. He must sin. There is no question about it. If our names are written in the book of life, before the foundation of the world, and they are according to Revelation the 13th and Revelation the 17th chapter. If our names are written in the book of life, before the world began, there better be some sin in our lives that he can save, them, save us from, right? I don't know why. It's insane not to believe that. The Bible says that. I saw John. He was afraid to say God creates evil he kind of got into it a little bit he didn't want to make too many of his people angry god creates evil he said so in isaiah 45 and 7 i got a set of papers here it did god create evil does god pity no he doesn't pity when you're rebellious against him does god create evil all through this paper he says i'm going to bring evil upon israel i'm god killed seventy thousand of Israelites because David presumptuously numbered Israel in the 24th chapter of 2 Samuel. And then the death angel started to head towards Jerusalem. And God said, that's enough. I've killed enough people for David's sin. He killed 70,000 people. God did it. He said, I've killed enough people. He killed 70,000 innocent people. Can God do what he wants to do? Absolutely. He's God. He needs no excuse. People say, we don't want to blame God for sin. You don't blame God. He's the cause of it. If he didn't, how in the world is he going to have mercy on his family? How is he going to have mercy if there's no such thing as wrath? If there's no such thing as wrath, what do you call mercy? Well, you call it is grunt. Uh, if there's no, if everything in the world is sweet, what do you call sour? It has no definition. You can't even define sweet. It's not even called sweet. You gotta have sour to have sweet. You gotta bitter to have sweet. God has to create his own wrath. God is gonna be angry. And men who rebel against him, and he's going to create that rebellion in them. He's got a stick. He can't be touched with evil, but he's got a stick that he can stir it with. And that stick is called Satan. He'll stir and say, I'll stir where I want it to stir. He said, I've declared the end from the beginning, from ancient times, everything, including the evil that's not yet done. A man is insane to be able to read the Bible and say, God doesn't create evil. I can go through this paper and I got a hundred times where God says, I form evil. I'm creating evil. I'm bringing evil against Israel. I got copies of this. And it'll show you all about it. He says, I will not pity. God says in the 13th chapter of Hosea, he said, I will bring the Assyrians in against northern Israel because they have brought in Baal in the grove. And when I bring Assyria in, I will cause the Assyrian soldiers to rip the bellies of the pregnant women open and dash the baby's brains out against the streets and the walls of Jerusalem. How do you like that? You think God don't do that when he said he does? You have no fear of him? 
I just don't believe people are afraid of God. I, God scares me, and at the same time, I know He loves me. It scares me not to tell people the truth. I've got so much more to say on this. I've, I've been carrying this insanity thing around. Psychologist Eric Fromm says that entire societies may be lacking in sanity. Do I believe America and entire society is lacking in sanity? Insanity means the inability to think rational. Can America think rational? No. no. They say God wouldn't create evil. And he said, Isaiah 45, 7, I create evil. What's wrong with you? Are you out of your mind? You don't want to believe God when he says that? Everybody wants to justify God. God doesn't need justifying. Justify means to declare innocent. God is innocent if he sends every human being that's ever lived to hell. It's mercy that he brings some of us to him. It's righteous that he sends men to hell. It's righteous if he corrects men in their sin. To say, well, I don't believe what God said is true. When you, you don't believe in predestination for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. You don't believe that? He's chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestinated us into the adoption of children, adoption, adoption means to place sons. You don't believe that God has to place sons in his family. You can place yourself by your free will when the Bible says not of the will of man. It's that we were born not of blood nor the will of the flesh nor the will of man but of God. You believe you can bring yourself in when God says you can't? That's insane. To Preachers in America are insane. They don't believe the truth. I don't have time to read this. I was going to read to you. Irrational implies mental unsoundness. The Bible speaks of sound doctrine. Insane is unsoundness. That's what you're, you're twisted because you don't like the idea that God said he predestined certain people to heaven. And the majority of the world is going to hell because he fixed their minds. And that's the way it's supposed to be. I don't believe in trying to convince anybody. That's why when I go on the bank, I'm not going to convince anybody. I'm just going to say what I can say and leave it in their lap. And if they want God, it'll be God that causes them to come to him. If they don't want God, that'll be God that doesn't want them. My job is to tell the truth. That's all. Not to convince anybody, but I'll tell you what, it's hard to get around all these definitions, isn't it? You can't get around the definitions. America's crazy. Just as crazy as it can be. Do y'all understand that? We can say, I can read through that paper about all the evil that God said he did. Because, well, God didn't do that. He just allowed it to happen. No, he said, I do it. And you don't believe God? If you never believe God, you're probably going to hell. In fact, most people in the world are going to hell, aren't they? Straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life. And only a few will find the narrow way. Narrow is the same word as tribulation. If you're not going through the tribulation way, you're not going to heaven.
If God is not straightening your life out, do I believe he's straightening everybody's life out here? No, I don't believe that. Straightening of the life is a lifetime process in your life that God is working on you. If you're not straight yet, he's straightening you if you belong to him. If you don't, don't like it because your life is upside down or backwards, that's your problem with God. That's not my problem with you. That's why I don't believe in trying to convince anybody of anything. God has chosen his people. He'll bring his people to him. And there's a certain number that he knew before the world began. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. You don't believe that? There was a certain number that were given to God before the world began. You believe Christmas is okay? No, it'll make you sick. It makes you drunk. You don't believe you're supposed to share it with people because they're going to get mad at you? You're supposed to. I'm out of time. I just got started on this. Have you noticed I can't get off this subject? One year I said, I'm going to preach on Christmas all year, and I did. <laughs> because you've got to preach on the Old Testament, Israel being a nation, going after Baal in the grove. God scattered them all over the face of the earth. Marriage not 70 times 7, the 70 weeks of Daniel. Given a certain amount of time to refine Israel, make them come back to him, and they were made a nation, May 14th, 1948. And all this has to do with prophecy, and it has to do with Christmas, and it has to do with paganism. Learning to stand for the truth is the most difficult thing you can do. But once you learn enough of these verses, enough of these words, don't worry about knowing everything. Just say what you know. <laughs> Give them a Greek word, and if they don't like it, say, okay, walk away. The reason our hearts pound when we first start witnessing because we want them to do something, don't we? We want them to make a decision. I don't want anybody to make a decision when I witness to them. I said, let me show you something. Show you the thing about swastika. This is really interesting. I'll show it to them and say, what do you think of that? They say, well, that's really interesting. I say, here, take this and listen to it. They say, I don't like that. I say, okay, and walk away. Our job is not to convince anybody of anything. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll come back next week and resume this about irrational thinking among believers in America, or among America. Father, thank you for truth. Deal with our hearts. Crush us under your hand. Lord, I am tired of this world. I'll tell anything to anybody, Lord. Maybe they'll go ahead and shoot me or something, get me out of my misery. I have a desire to depart and come and be with you, but it's more needful for the church that I remain. Thank you for truth. I pray for the church you'll help them to be strong and bow to your will. They've been miserable so far. Help them to understand that Bound to your will and saying truth is comforting in our lives. We'll praise you for all things. Fight every battle we have. We'll give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. And this is not the end. i got to come back to this. I hadn't gotten to everything. Darwain, what are you doing? <laughs> You still got your mic on? Huh? You still have your mic on?
Oh. Yeah, I got it on. I'll turn it off. <laughs>